0: Uh, I want to thank the organizers for inviting me to come. I've learned a lot uh, from uh, participating with others in the program up to this point. Uh, and uh, I want to just talk very briefly about a problem which has preoccupied me for a very long time. Um, that is why nuclear weapons have been so durable, so persistent. Um, I once uh, argued, and have argued, I don't know, if. The, well, maybe somebody will outgrow nuclear weapons. And I thought we were making some progress in that regard in the immediate aftermath of the end of the Cold War. But it's clear we are not outgrowing them very fast, if we are outgrowing them at all. So I have thought about this quite a bit. And I can list what, what I think are the reasons that nuclear weapons persist in the form five categories of reasons. And so I'll talk about each of those. First of all, I want to talk about broad security reasons having to do with the nature of the way security has been uh, approached in the overall international system. Secondly, what I might call the image or psychological dimension. Third, a political dimension. Fourth, a uh, more strictly military dimension, a military category. And then finally, what might be called a foreign policy category of reasons. But uh, they overlap. Uh, they're not, these are not uh, exclusive categories at all. They overlap and interact we we'll start with the first one. And there I would remind you of something uh, which is, was true throughout the 19th century, and that was much of the international politics of, of the 20th century, much of the international politics of the 20th century had to do with inadequate outcomes from the end of great wars. Uh, this was true after World War I, it was, and appallingly so in the end. It was certainly true after World War II and to a lesser extent it has been true after the Cold War. That is, um, one of the reasons that nuclear weapons persist is because we did not manage to incorporate Russia and China into the Western dominated post-Cold War global system. That is, they were left in a situation in which they felt uncomfortable, uh, they feel threatened, they feel uh, their security is insufficiently guaranteed. There were efforts to do this, uh, and some of those efforts were very sincere, and, but they were not sufficiently effective, and not simply because of failures in trying, but failures at the other end as well, so uh, on the part of the Russians and the Chinese. Uh, i can go into details about that, but uh, I think you understand my point generally. A second kind of failure was that the end of the Cold War meant, in effect, the rise of the West. Uh, a substantial escalation in the power of the West. That is not universally considered good. There are numerous countries who find, to this day, that a very threatening thing. Structurally, it's a very threatening thing. See. That's very difficult to do something about. Um, this is true in North Korea. This is true in uh, Russia and China. This is true in Iran. And there are other countries that I could mention. Next. We fail to make any progress on a couple of, or set of key conflicts that have been driving proliferation of nuclear weapons. Uh, the uh, India Pakistan uh, conflict. No progress in that area, really seriously. Uh, and the result is, since the end of the Cold War, the emergence of two new substantial uh, nuclear weapons capabilities. Um, and the conflict in the Middle East between Israel and the Palestinians. Israel in the rest of the Arab world, Israel and Iran. I don't have to spend any time talking about that either, and how that has helped to stimulate uh, further development of Israel's nuclear weapons, plus a nuclear weapons program in Iran, plus conso- con- consideration of the possibility of having to have a nuclear weapons program in several other states. So that's a kind of very fundamental structural kind of problem that we've had to live with. Uh, Secondly, in a psychological dimension, and this is one that's popular enough, I don't have to spend a lot of time on it. It's well known that some of the pressures for developing nuclear weapons, some of the pressures for keeping nuclear weapons, are largely in terms of states, certain states, feeling that this is crucial for their having a certain status, stature, and role in international affairs. It's very difficult to imagine the French saying uh, ending all nuclear weapons would be great. It is very difficult to expect the Chinese to say getting rid of all nuclear weapons would be just fine because there would be people saying one of the ways in which we are able to try to have some influence on things that in the broad sense regionally and globally affect our affairs is that we have a stature associated with having nuclear weapons. This is in part behind the drive for Pakistan's nuclear weapons. It is very much a part of what's going on in the drive by Iran in the direction of developing nuclear weapons, and so on. Um, this is not. This is in part a structural sort of problem, as you can see as well, uh, but it is also uh, a psychological dimension, which is very difficult to figure out how to deal with. This is not an easy thing to deal with. Um, Next comes uh, the political dimension, and in the political dimension I would cite the following things. And Again, there's an overlap here because a a concern for status, influence, having a voice, having a seat at the table is very much a political motivation in part. But I would stress in the political area the fact that I see no really strong domestic political consensus in various states around the world that nuclear weapons have to be done away with. There is a consensus It'd be nice to not have them, but the idea that we must make sacrifices, take risks, expend enormous effort on behalf of that is not something that's at the top of political agenda. I don't think it's the central concern anywhere in terms of national public opinion. There's, it's clearly not the central concern and uh, the sense that you'd have some consensus behind it of government bureaucracies in the nuclear states, nuclear armed states. You could get elements in the armed forces in the United States who couldn't care less about continuing with nuclear weapons. And you get other sections of the military that are very much committed to retaining them. You get sections of the American uh, bureaucracy in other areas which are very strongly committed to getting rid of nuclear weapons and big sections that are not. I think that's true in France. I think that's true in India. I think that's true in Russia. I think that's true in China, et cetera. Um, There is, I think, no strong consensus behind the idea of getting rid of nuclear weapons on the part of political elites. Not just in the nuclear powers, but in a number of other countries that are interested in extended nuclear deterrence or who are interested in living within the kind of international system security management that the major states provide. If you start down that road, all of a sudden, you turn over rocks when it comes to people saying, I'm not so sure I'd like, you see, there's not a consensus on that. Uh, It's not something you could just announce and everybody will sign on the dotted line and show up and be willing to to work hard. Next in the strictly military dimension, uh, the the last speaker uh, did a wonderful job in laying out the arguments that are made for why nuclear weapons are still important, still necessary, we can't do without them. And I would just summarize that, a feeling that nuclear deterrence works. So you can say, well, it works at this, that, this, that. but It works. It does something, and that something is good. And all I can say about this, since I've long since decided that nuclear deterrence is a very, very dangerous thing, and I wish people did not think it worked, is that we cannot convincingly, across the board, say, it doesn't work. That's the trouble. It would be nice, and for that purpose, if we'd had two or three nuclear wars. That would convince us, all right. Herman Kahn used to say, uh, everybody thinks nuclear deterrence is a good idea. And the first time it fails, everybody will agree that it's a disastrous idea. Say, well. It takes something like that, unfortunately, to get a consensus on this matter, especially, as as she mentioned, among military people or other people preoccupied with security affairs. They quite often will simply say, nuclear weapons prevented World War III. They're still preventing World War III. And I don't believe that's true. But I'd say two things. One, I sure as hell wouldn't want them to turn out to be right. In other words, if the argument they make is essentially, do you want to risk the fact that we're right? That's not an easy argument to answer because of two, the burden of history supports them. We have a situation today in which the great powers, as has already been pointed out, seem very unlikely to go to war with each other, seem very unlikely to have conflicts that would lead them to think about going to war with each other. That has not been typical in international politics. So one of the arguments you get if you're me and you're at these meetings and you're saying, look, we don't have a relationship with the Chinese and the Russians anymore that invites a likely war and certainly not a nuclear war. And their response is, how do you know that'll last? How do you know that will last? So it's not easy to tell people that we should take the risk that uh, 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 this kind of world is going to continue to exist, or that eliminating nuclear weapons will, in fact, ensure that it will continue to exist. That's difficult. It's a hard sell. Finally, um, there's the foreign policy dimension. One of the things that's been most disheartening for me. Uh, as an international relations specialist and a person concerned about excessive reliance on nuclear weapons and deterrence, is that there has not been a solid consensus among states, among foreign policy elites, about how seriously to take nuclear proliferation and what to do about it. We have not been able to get there. The way I like to put it is connection with American foreign policy, just to start with. For too many governments, too often, when a proliferation problem emerges, something else is more important. There's something else that stands in the way of dealing with it. You got a problem with North Korea. The Chinese agree it's a problem. The Chinese agree that something ought to be done. The Chinese tell the North Koreans they don't want them to have nuclear weapons. But if you say to the Chinese, well, then let's force that. What's more important to the Chinese? The principle of national sovereignty. The Chinese worry about the general long-term consequences of adopting the view that when a bunch of countries decide that something is unacceptable, you can violate sovereignty to do something about it. North Korea, the Chinese will say, our sovereign nation entitled, if they want, to have nuclear weapons. That's more important. For years, the United States really knew, suspected that Pakistan was developing nuclear weapons. Would the United States forthrightly confront Pakistan about this? It would not. What was more important? Defeating the Russians in Afghanistan, which required Pakistan's help. There's always something for somebody that's more important. For a number of smaller countries in the world, The existing nuclear regime is unacceptable, and it is all right for other countries to want to develop nuclear weapons to help offset the power of those big countries. Something is more important than defeating proliferation than actually taking big risks. Now, my argument would be, in short then, we're going up against something that's not just misguided information. People who are addicted, inertia, and so on. We're confronting a network of reasons why nuclear weapons persist that are really scary in terms of their impact. So, nuclear weapons are dribbling along at a, um, coming down, 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 but at much too slow a pace, much too slow a pace. But we're up against something very tough in trying to change that. It is not going to be easy. and uh, It's wrong to think that it's only a matter of just pointing out nuclear weapons aren't useful anymore. We don't need them. Nuclear weapons are terribly dangerous. Nuclear weapons can have catastrophic environmental effects and so on. This cluster of reasons stands in the way, and they won't just disappear. Thank you.